is Behind the Cut with Christopher Grenland, the companion show to Not About Lumberjacks. Behind the Cut is an in-depth look at the latest episode of Not About Lumberjacks and likely contains spoilers of the most recent story. You've been warned. Some people have wondered if In Cypress Slough was inspired by recentish news about ivory-billed woodpeckers being declared as officially extinct. It wasn't. I originally planned to release it in November 2020, but it required research and an effort I didn't have time for a year ago. It just so happened I was back to working on it this year when the ivory-billed woodpecker was declared officially extinct. But I'm not here to talk about species humans have destroyed. Right now, I want to talk about how I handle writing characters who have experienced prejudice I've never had to face. If you've spent enough time on pop culture social media, you've likely seen someone complaining about gay characters in stories. Many a one-star Amazon book review reads like this. I love this book. Until the author decided to push the gay agenda down my throat. How dare popular movies include a gay character? And definitely don't get them started on John Kent, Superman's son, being bisexual. Include a gay character in a story and some will deem you a social justice warrior, as though that's a bad thing to be. I can't imagine listening to In Cypress Slough and thinking, This was great! Up until Christopher felt the need to make Jorge gay, why'd he have to go and do that? Of the 161 main and supporting characters in all Not About Lumberjack stories to date, only five are gay. That's only about 3%, which is a lower percentage of gay people in society. If you're curious who those five characters are, the narrator of the Christmas episode story Greetings and his husband, one of the unnamed girls in Tracks, the opening story to last year's Christmas episode, and Jorge and Devin from In Cypress Slough. In the case of Greetings, Jeremy and Kurt simply exist as a couple like any other. I wrote that story with Patrick Walsh from the Scream Queens podcast in mind as the narrator. I'd been a guest on Patrick's show multiple times, and I wanted to work with him on a Not About Lumberjack story. As far as tracks, some people saw it as a story about two friends growing apart. Others got the intended bit that one of them's gay. In Cypress Slough is the only story I've written where a character's sexuality is more than just a passing thing. As writers, we could write about whatever we want. If I want to write a story about what it's like to grow up black in the South, I can. But there are many people far more suited to tell that story. People who've actually lived it. I was born on the north side of Chicago and moved to a northern suburb when I was two. When I moved to Texas at 15 years old, I moved to a very white town, 
So much so that its history of being so tightly closed has made nationwide news in recent months. Do a Google search for South Lake Carroll High School investigation if you're curious. I never had my resume cross a desk only to be rejected by someone because of how my name sounds. While I've faced hardships in life, I've never been discriminated against for where I was born, my sexuality, or the color of my skin. This isn't to say that I should only write stories about what I've experienced, but there are certain stories where the point of telling it carries a greater purpose than I'm suited to tell. I'm suited to tell a story about the bullying I endured as a geeky atheist at Carroll High School. But I'm not the best voice to tell the story about the only black student in my class when I was there and the hell she endured for simply existing. But you could be damn sure I based Davy Boyd from In Cypress Slough off the kinds of people I went to school with who tormented her family and others. So many of those people are still horrible today. So, why then does In Cyprus Slough include two gay characters? Because representation matters. The purpose of the story is not what it's like to grow up gay in East Texas. It's about a guy who spots an extinct species and what happens as a result. It just happens he's gay, just like other characters who just happen to be straight. Which, no one ever seems to fume about. Initially, Jorge returned to Texas A&M University to show a female biologist the ivory-billed woodpecker footage he got. And, because I wanted to leave the story with something more for the future, I felt it would not be a bad idea to leave the story with a budding romantic, heterosexual relationship. But, as the story behind Davy Boyd's bullying became more prevalent, things changed. I didn't mention Carroll High School above just to take shots at a place I hated as a teenager. As I roughed out in Cypress Slough, news about the school kept popping up. And I thought about and chatted about what it was like back when I attended. I have a friend from the school who's a year younger than me. When I got my driver's license, I gave him rides to school. People suspected this friend was gay, he is, and based on that assumption, he was picked on. By associating with him, people gave me grief as well. When I gave other friends rides to school, no one cared, just like no one cares when a character is straight in a story. But when I gave this friend rides... Suddenly, I was told I did so for sexual favors. People told their friends not to get close to me because I probably had AIDS. What my friend endured was far worse. And so, as Davy Boyd became a reflection of the small-town bullies I knew growing up, and the friendship between Jorge and Cade developed, Jorge's sexuality factored into the story. But it's still not the main point. While I can be a bit brash and goofy at times, I'm also a pretty considerate person. Perhaps some of that comes from being picked on when I was younger, 
trying to consider the feelings of others even if I haven't experienced the same wrongs they've experienced. So, when I write a character who's lived through something I have not, I consider the words I put down with an additional level of care. It's not so much then about the tone of the prose, but also the purpose of the story. The purpose behind In Cypress Slough is telling a tale about the human toll on the environment, shared with listeners and readers through the eyes of two best friends still forced to deal with a bully from their past. It is not to say, this is what it was like to grow up gay in the piney woods of East Texas. There are other writers far more suited to tell that tale. But that doesn't mean every character I write must be a milquetoast cisgendered white dude from suburbia. There's a great book by Nisi Shawl and Cynthia Ward called Writing the Other, A Practical Approach. I'll include a link to the book in the show notes, or you could just go to writingtheother.com for more information. The book grew out of something Nisi Shawl heard at a writing workshop. Someone saying they never included characters with differing backgrounds than their own because you're likely to get it wrong, so why bother trying? Nisi saw that mentality as taking the easy way out in further whitewashing literature. They set out to write an essay about how to write characters with differing racial and ethnic differences than their authors. Taken from the book's description, In the course of writing the essay, however, she realized that similar problems arise when writers try to create characters whose gender, sexual preference, and age differ significantly from their own. Nisi and Cynthia collaborated to develop a workshop that addresses these problems with the aim of both increasing writers' skill and sensitivity in portraying difference in their fiction as well as allaying their anxieties about getting it wrong. Writing the Other in the Personal Essays on Representation in Science Fiction and Fantasy, Invisible and Invisible 2, are great books. Hell, I'll also recommend Matthew Salisy's Craft in the Real World is a must-read for any writer. Sadly, I've seen writers who have scoffed at the notion of considering these things and what stories to tell or not to tell. But to ignore that is to ignore more than just craft. It's to ignore feelings of entire groups of people, and that's a shitty thing to do. I've also seen writers who say, why bother trying because you'll be attacked by social justice warriors no matter what you do. So just do whatever you want. That's a cop-out. I know about writing the other because I considered changing a character in the last novel I completed, A Magic Life. I had concerns about a Hualapai character born in northern Arizona but raised by Swedish immigrants in Arizona and Colorado. I mentioned my concerns to a diverse group of writers I know on a Discord server for writers and fans of Fable and Follies, Alba Salix, and other audio dramas. Not one person told me I wasn't allowed to write about this character, 
In fact, they suggested writing the other and ways to approach this character. Making sure he's just as important as other main characters, not just there to prop up the protagonist. Ensuring I'm writing about him as a person and not speaking for an entire people of which I am not. Portraying him in a positive light and, should something bigger happen with the book, finding someone who's lived closer to his life and paying them a fair fee to read the manuscript for anything I might have gotten wrong. If you're familiar with the release of Janine Cummings' American Dirt, Following this advice could have avoided much of that wreck, but still not have helped with the indefensible move of plagiarized sections of the book being lifted directly from Latino authors. Speaking of the American Dirt debacle in this whole point, it's summed up rather well by author and professor David Bowles. There is nothing wrong with a non-Mexican writing about the plight of Mexicans. What's wrong is erasing authentic voices to sell an inaccurate cultural appropriation for millions. Representation without speaking for a group of people isn't hard. I once gave a talk to a local podcasting group about storytelling. One of the slides supporting what I talked about mentioned the importance of thinking things through. For that slide, I used an image of a black woman looking up in thought. After the talk, I was approached by a woman who thanked me for that. She loved attending local meetups about podcasting and web tech, but mentioned how the crowds around here are largely white, and how presenters usually used white people, mostly males, and all their slides containing people. She was happy just to see somebody on a slide who looked like her. I'm friends with a writer from Peru who suffered what many writers like her have experienced. She's been invited to book festivals and placed on the obligatory Other Voices panel discussion and then... No others. Just that. The festivals where she's been treated equally and given a voice on panels having nothing to do with where she was born and who she is are festivals she returns to because they see her as a person and not an object. My stories tend to be about people who have rarely seen the spotlight and why, or stories in which they have their moment. While I will never attempt to write a story about what it was like growing up gay in the 80s, it doesn't mean gay characters will never appear in the stories I tell. I recognize there are stories left in better hands than mine, and those are stories I will never attempt to write. I don't feel anyone is taking anything from me by pointing out that sometimes I'm not the right author for a story. I was a right author for In Cyprus Slough. I won't say THE right author because it's a story many others could have written. I care deeply about animals and love the landscape of East Texas. I grew up around people who worked menial jobs. My dad was a mechanic. Hell, I've been that person working those kinds of jobs. It's my kind of story. 
And in the process of writing it, as a nod to some of my friends, I chose to make Jorge gay. I will write characters who are different than me and sometimes find and pay narrators better suited for those stories. And sometimes, like in Cypress Slough, I'll narrate things myself because I'm really pressed for time. But I will never try telling a more important story about what it's like growing up truly oppressed, even though nothing prevents me from doing so other than my own nature. For all the hardships I've faced, none of them are a result of me being a white guy from suburbia. I don't acknowledge my privilege out of any kind of shame or to virtue signal. It's simply a fact that I have opportunities many others do not. And because I recognize this and I'm not an asshole, I will always do my best to acknowledge the advantages I've had and put characters who might not have had such luxuries in a positive light. Thank you for listening to Not About Lumberjacks and Behind the Cut. Theme music for Behind the Cut is a tune called Reaper by Hrazen. Visit nolumberjacks.com for information about the music, the episodes, and voice talent. Later this month, it's the annual Christmas episode. Three holiday stories, one of which includes the return of a character from an earlier Not About Lumberjacks Christmas episode. Until next time, be mighty and keep your axes sharp. <laughs>